welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. This podcast is sponsored by LowPay, the low-rate payment app that gives you more. So without further ado, let's get going. Hello, everyone. Tonight, I'm joined by Vanessa. Welcome, Vanessa. Uh, well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Hey, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. And like I said in my post earlier today, I always like to hear about new um, ways of um, doing dog grooming and new initiatives and new new ideas. And uh, Vanessa, you're you're coming on to talk to us all about canine flow, aren't you? So uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be uh, good to dive into that. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Top uh, Top Tales. How did you get into business? Well, it's, um, I started off as a secondary science teacher. Um, I did nearly 20 years of that. And I got to a point where I was showing my dogs and Crufts was on a Thursday. And I was like, you know what, I'm missing, missing my favourite things in life. Um, and after 20 years in the classroom, I loved teaching. I loved being with the kids. But it's a hard, hard job. And you do, it's like dog grooming. You know, people suffer from burnout. And I knew that I was getting to the end of my time in the classroom. And I was kind of thinking about what else can I do? And I was grooming my Cairn Terriers first show. And my friend said, why why don't you become a dog groomer? And I'd never thought of it. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, let's. Yeah, let's look into this. She said, yeah, you're really good. Try it. Um, and so I you know, did the whole thing of trying to find someone to train with, really landed on my feet and ended up training with Yitka. Um, and yeah, it took me about a year to train because I had to fit it in with school holidays. And then I went back and did tons of work experience, which was absolutely amazing and set my company up in 2012 it was april 2012 and i started off doing a little bit in the evening and doing saturdays and after about a year and a half it it was just nuts i decided right let's pack in the teaching go full-time grooming and suddenly hey presto my books were full and I've never looked back. It was brilliant. Amazing, isn't it? And tell me, um, let's talk about a little bit about you leaving a 20-year career, because that's, <laughs> that's not an easy thing to do. I, I did 19 years and then I left uh, in the public sector. And I was talking to someone today about it. And um, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people around you might just think you, you're proper crazy, you know, going self-employed and, and dropping this career uh well there's the whole thing of yeah you know your sick pay your pension um I mean I'd like to say of course holiday pay I'd like to say oh you know I miss all the holidays but in reality when you're teaching you work through most of them anyway um but yeah it was an absolutely huge step to take but I think when you you found something that feels so right you you just have to go for it. And it's looking back, it's quite funny because I bought all my equipment. I saved up and saved up and I bought top of the range, everything with this little voice inside my head going, you know what, if it all goes pear-shaped, you can sell it. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, it's like uh, it paid off because I've had it all refurbished now. Um, after 10 years, it started to sort of... Uh, breakdown so the hydro bath was refurbished yeah. stand dryer refurbished you name it it's all been done up now and uh yeah no, no plans in packing in no and you know um something i was discussing today with with a friend was um you know these careers like teaching policing all that they were they were meant to be like 30 35 year careers but yeah. so many people now are leaving it and there i'm sure there'll be many many people in this facebook group and uh, listening to this podcast that are um public sector workers or they're just about to leave the public sector or um they are ex-public sector and this is what the public sector has to complete compete with now you know completely yeah. different 
diverse range of jobs that you can do and and uh well done for taking the step and following your dream as it were and and coming out of it well i think in reality the thought of retiring from teaching at the age of 67 you know, how can you relate to teenage kids when you're that age i mean full respect to anyone who manages to teach all the way through and reach retirement but you know for me it was just like no no excellent excellent so you you um started up top tails and where do you work do you work from home do you work from a salon how does that work um converted the garage into a salon so very much a salon environment but it's Mm one-to-one um completely separate from the house yeah, it works. It's got its own separate entrance. I have like a sensory garden where dogs can snuffle and have a, a nice time before they come in. It's a good area if they need a, a break during the groom as well. I can lock the gate, make sure they don't escape and uh, let them have a bit of time, you know, just to sort of settle if they need it. Yeah, and so the, you did a your normal um, pet grooming course. Obviously, like you said, you you did that over a year whilst you were um, teaching, and then um, went into the the grooming salon on a one to one environment. How did um, how did you find it when you were starting up? What did you what were your initial thoughts of uh, grooming pets for a living? Uh well, you know, when you start grooming, you just you get all the people that are groomer hopping don't you and you get all the people that can't get in with the established groomers and um i've got a pinned post on my facebook and it's i look at it and i just go you were so inexperienced when that dog walked through the door it's um a chinese crested puffball mm-hmm. and i look at the photo and i just say i have never seen a dog as matted as that before or after it was horrendous i managed to save its head and its feet which was like a a massive achievement um but yeah it took it needed right from the beginning i knew i was going to be forcing dogs because of a dog that we'd had that had had not a brilliant experience at the groomers so i knew when i set up i would already be supporting dogs and not forcing them so this Chinese crested puffball, it took two visits. I think it was the first time it had ever been to groomers. I didn't at that time know particularly about desensitization. So I was kind of just working with it, trying to get this pelted coat off. And they kept coming back and more people came. And But yeah, it was awful. I had um, this great big some sort of labradoodle cross that was also matted and I started clipping off its chest and I found a nail in it really yeah it was a nail and it you know you don't have a nail in stuck into the skin the owner got no idea it was in there of course it was infected so yeah um I think I did my apprenticeship of uh yeah groomer hoppers people not turning up People turning up, booking again, and then just dumping me. People arguing about the price and trying to get me to lower it. And I, I stood my ground and I just kept going. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Having, to dig, having to dig deep. Was there any moments where you think, you know, I'd take a classroom of teenagers over this any day, any day of the week? No, not really, because Yick was always on the end of the phone. Mm-hmm. So if it was being or if it was awful and I needed someone to prop me up you know it was like a quick message to her or a quick phone call and she'd sort of gather me up and go it's not personal keep going you're great and then um my friend that suggested that I was a groomer she was just starting up grooming herself as a professional groomer and expanding her business and she's been brilliant as well because when you want one it's you can be really isolated it can be really lonely um and i think if you haven't got support in some form or other you know it can really affect your mental health but i've been completely blessed with really great support 
Yeah, and I think it's really important to actually talk about these sort of things because there'll be people listening that are just about to um, go into the grooming industry or people have just started up and they may be seeing this kind of thing happening around them in their own salon and thinking, my God, is it me? Is it because of what I'm doing or because I've started up? But it is like the common theme that's going through uh, a lot of new groomers, that, that groomer hoppers, the, the matted dogs, you know, the ones that can't get in at other places. So it's just a bit of reassurance for them, isn't it? This is not so. Yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, why I've got that as a pin post on my Facebook, because it is, you know, this happens when you set up. It's not cuddling dogs. It's hard. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Lopay. Lopay is half the price of SumUp and Zettle, so you keep more of the money that you earn. Rates start at 0.79%. So um, how did you feel? How many years did you do of grooming until you started to look at different ways of um, expanding your knowledge and getting into the canine flow? Well, you know, I don't know how many years it is. I immediately started looking at behaviour, Mm-hmm. Um, body language, all of that kind of thing. Um, then found out about desensitization of dogs um, with equipment. Um, I mean, for me, I also, I don't do rally formally anymore, but I've done agility. I've done dog training, got my dogs to um, the kennel club, gold good citizen award mm-hmm. um i've judged rally i've competed at rally so for me for years it's all been dogs 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 training training um and i love all of that and of course you don't go into teaching and have that background of education without loving learning yeah. so it was this thing of i need to learn as much as i can and i've just kept at it um I just think, and that's the other thing, when you work for yourself, no one stops you from investing in your training. You can do as much as you want. And I think we will never, ever know everything. Science um, is changing all the time. Our knowledge on behaviour and psychology is growing all the time as well. Um, So, yeah, it, it was just... You know, I'm, I, I just I want to know everything um, along with um, which I think is really important is I want to be able to groom dogs the best that I can as well. So I when I'm at a dog show, I am constantly looking at other breeds of dogs and like homing my skills, trying to get that trim. So for me, it's behavior, it's training and it's trimming so i'm not a competition groomer um i've been in the competition ring it doesn't do it for me i have been placed once um but yeah it's that whole combination the whole picture but the canine flow thing came about a bit like grooming really i stumbled into it so um i had an amazing dog who sadly passed now but he had skin issues and he was a young pup and we did the whole um giving him a bit of pyroton see how that goes that didn't work he had um he started chewing his feet a proper irritation and i had to take him to the vet with it and the vet said um right steroids and i'm like but i know quite a bit about dog health and i don't particularly want to be giving a pup that's a year and a half old, steroids forever. It's just going to knacker it. Um, so he's, he did persuade me to do a short course of steroids, and this will give us a time frame. I'm not sure of the year, but the vet said, well, there's, there's this brand new drug on the market, Apoquel. It's a miracle. Um, we can give your dog that if we can get hold of it. Um, but it's in really short supply. The supply chain's not there. And I'm like, well, what, what is this drug? Has it been tested properly? Young dog, I, I need to find out more. And I started scouting around into skin conditions and alternatives. And um, I mean, I suppose 
the way I grew up, my mum was um, very much into it was that era of the good life and you're self-sufficient and you do everything's like organic and, you know, you, you take all, all you diet and everything. So I was already naturally drawn to herbal remedies. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up working with a homeopath and it was um, my vets thought I was crazy. I was just like, what are you doing? Um, and it was also um, they were trying to get me to use Maliseb on him. And I was like, I'm not using Maliseb. It's going to dry his skin. Um, and it sets my asthma off as well, to be fair. And wild wash had just come out. So I showed the vets, I said, I'm using wild wash. And I showed them the advert and it was like, they'd got a caveman with their wild wash bottle in his hand. And the vet just rolled his eyes at me and went, yeah, okay, you can have a referral. It was just like, get out of my sight, you mad woman. (laughs) So I worked with this homeopath and um, Brian sort of got better but when you work with homeopathy you have healing crises and that's when your energetic system's changing but he kept going backwards and forwards and after a couple of years the homeopath said he's made really good progress because he'd actually got quite an unhealthy liver and blood system and all of that had recovered but we weren't quite cracking the skin so he tentatively said have you thought about an animal communicator? Well, when you've been trying to heal a dog for two years and you can see it literally ripping chunks of fur out. Oh, yeah. And it was supposed to be a show dog. Um, you, you get a bit desperate. I was like, you know what? Let's, let's try it. So, um, yeah, I tried an animal communicator. And that... I have to explain what that is because... <sighs> what. Well, it's going to sound really woo and like weird, but this was the like the path I was on. So basically, they tap into the dog's energy and communicate with the dog on like a telepathic level. And it can be done via distance. So generally, people will have a photo of that animal and they'll tap into the energy. Um, and there is a bit of science behind it, but at the time I, I didn't know there was any science. It's one of those things, quantum physics is now a growing science and it's starting to prove some of this telepathic um, energy traveling across distance kind of thing. So it's not as mad as it was when I first started this, but basically my animal communicator did not work for us so I was like right okay well I'm going to learn animal communication myself then I'll do it because that's how I am and um, I learned a bit but I still couldn't connect with him but it kind of took me down a strange rabbit hole of this whole new world of energy and the spiritual side and I was a bit like this is not me I'm I'm purely science Um, but like I say, I was desperate. So I tried one um, energy technique that worked really well for me because I was getting a bit stressed about the dog and not healing the dog and I needed to fix the dog. Um, But Brian really did not like the technique. It kind of made him worse. um, And he started to show um, symptoms of anxiety and he was getting clingy with me so I stopped doing that work because I could see it wasn't helping but I stumbled across Caroline Griffith and canine flow because at this time I was looking at Dogs Naturally magazine to find out as much about diet and supplementation as I could and she'd got a little advert in the back and she was doing um, a one-day like retreat day with um, a lady called Rachel Windsor Knott, who does um, like aromatherapy and stuff for animals. So I booked myself and Brian on the day. Brian, by this point, could not stand other dogs. 
so it's going to be interesting taking him on a retreat day where I knew there were going to be other dogs um, with a dog that by this point screamed his head off and just barked manically if any he saw any other dog. Anyway, I turned up and um, had him in a little crate behind me and listened to Caroline and her work. And we did some aromatherapy type stuff with dogs as well. And it was bizarre because by the end of the day, this little dog that was scared of other dogs was out of his crate and in the middle of the room, joining in with everyone else. So you go, I, I came around, just went, the progress he had made when I was mm. expecting no progress at all, I need to find out more about this. Um, so I thought, right, well, I'll become a practitioner. I'll learn everything about it. But I'd already spent quite a bit of money on these other things. I was still working with a homeopath, but yeah. these other things that hadn't worked. And she'd mentioned professional hypnotherapy for dogs really and I was like that that's off the scale that you have <laughs> got to be joking that is like I was like no no I found myself another nutter I'm not going there <laughs> but she got um a download a hypnotherapy download and I was like look it's 10 quid I'll try it and so I downloaded it and I started playing it so I was sat there with both dogs that I'd got at the time and we played it and we were all relaxed and listening. Is it people talking or music or? Um, it's some music, but it's one person talking and yeah. it's something that I do and I now sell as well. Um, but it's, um, yeah, a, a script with positive intentions and a like set formula behind it and but it's very very relaxing so to us as humans it's not hypnotizing us but it's a very nice meditation and I started playing this once a week every week and some strange things start happening to my dogs so Tonka who we've still got now she'll be 15 this month she had a bit of on-lead reactivity. And there's part of the hypnotherapy that says, even on a lead, your owner will always keep you safe. And we played this and she stopped being reactive on the lead. So this is how? <laughs> oh, why? How? Yeah. How's this working? Yeah. And she was, well, they were both reactive to fireworks and um, it has a bit about, you know, just like when you hear sounds relax into them, your owner's going to keep you safe. It's all, you know, just it's you're in a happy spot. Um, and we do a visualisation where you're in a field and everything's fine and you're safe. Well, the, the dog is safe. And they didn't stop reacting to fireworks. It's very important to say that. But their reactivity to fireworks decreased. Mm. And then on top of this, Brian's skin started to clear up. And that was just doing one aspect of canine flow, just the hypnotherapy. So I was like, right, that's it then. This isn't as crazy and as nuts and as off the scale as I thought. Um, so I started my training. And um, sadly, part of the training is we do two retreats and we do some teaching. We do lots of research, um, lots of coursework. Um, and Brian was meant to come on the retreat with me. And sadly, um, he passed away. He had a massive heart attack. Mm. Nothing we could have done about it. The He'd got a really healthy heart. You know, he's just like one of those footballers at the peak of fitness and then just boom. Um, so he started me on the journey, um, but it was Tonka that then took over. Took his uh, place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so hypnotherapy, so you said, is part of um, canine flow. Yeah. Go on, keep going. So this is 
then where when I went on the first retreat, I said to Caroline, this is amazing. Like dog groomers can benefit so much from this because as a canine flow practitioner, we look at energy and we look at the energy of everything. So if I'm working as a canine flow practitioner with a dog that's got troublesome behavior, we look at the energy of the house. So we're looking at where are Wi-Fi points? Is your Wi-Fi on all the time? Where's the dog's bed in relation to the Wi-Fi points? What washing powder are you using? What's your lighting like? Are you using artificial air freshness? What food are you feeding them? Do you have any blocks of energy within your house? So we look at absolutely everything well when you apply that to a dog grooming salon mm -hmm. you want the energy in the salon to flow so then you're looking at what's the mood of your salon what's your lighting like do you, those spots where the energy isn't flowing there your damp corners those places where you know your bits of mold appear if you're not drying them off and keeping bang on top of it those places where all that dust collects um and you're looking at what's the energy of your room as in your color scheme you know do you want a grooming salon that's abattoir red probably not you know you want more neutral colors um greens and blues are brilliant because they're really relaxing um and it's Along with that, um, and then the smells. So, um, you know, you, you go to the grooming shows and there's usually great big stinking artificial air fresheners because we know that dogs stink. Well, actually, when we look at it from a canine flow perspective, your stink isn't coming from your dogs. It's coming from your salon not being clean enough because you've not removed all that dust. You've not kept on top of your damp, which is pretty much inevitable. Um, and um, towels. If you're keeping damp towels in there, you're going to get those smells. So as a canine flow practitioner, we get rid of all those smells by making sure the energy is flowing, by not having those damp spots and those towels. So you don't need your artificial air fresheners that are adding in unnecessary smells. Mm. Um, and it kind of makes sense, actually, as well, from a business point of view, because when you've got people coming in, bringing your, their dog to you, they don't want a stinky salon and they also think if you've got an artificial air freshener going oh they're trying to cover that smell up you know so it's all of that is part of your energy flow along with what shampoos are you using have they got sls's in them parabens have they got artificial perfumes in because they're additional chemicals that aren't natural to a dog so we look at the entire grooming environment along with allowing dogs energy to flow. So when we say that, we don't mean like we're letting them run around and maraud, because actually, if we're playing with dogs in an excitable manner, that's them getting hyped up and we want calm dogs. Mm -hmm. So hence me saying at the beginning, I've got a little area outside my salon where dogs can go and have a snuffle and a break. So it's all calming. But when energy builds up in a dog, it will release that energy um, and it will do that with its mouth and with its feet. So if we're not allowing the dog's energy to flow during a groom, so we're not allowing it to express natural behaviours like you know, if you want, if, if the dog wants to look out one window, why would you then make it face the other way? Just like it's it's common sense. Let it look out the other window and then you're not fighting to get it in the position that you want. You just move. It's much easier. How, um, how, how does it express its uh, energy through its mouth and feet? What sort of things are you looking for? Well, if you're pushing a dog too far, then the energy will build 
And when we say feet and mouth, it might start lip licking, mm-hmm. which I always find terribly difficult to say. Mm-hmm. It might start to have tension in its mouth. It might start yawning. Um, if more energy is building in, building up and it's restricted, that's when you're going to get bitten. Um, so it's not personal. They are just trying to keep their energy flowing and they do that through their mouths. With the feet, you know, when you're, um, you're grooming and you get, you get a paw sometimes and the dog's like pouring at you. Or if you've got a blaster on and they're not properly sen- desensitized to it, they can do that with their feet they're just trying to get their energy to flow so with canine flow we talk about energy flow and build up of energy and if you put too much energy in and that energy isn't released it builds up to an antisocial behavior well we call it antisocial for the dog it's completely natural and that's when you're getting scratched and bitten so the whole point of um canine flow and energy flow in the grooming salon is to allow dogs to express their natural energy so we're not just firing in extra energy all the time so um behaviorists refer to it as trigger stacking in canine flow we just keep it simple and just go you're putting too much in let some out um and (laughs) thing is when we get dogs in the salon they're already charged up because the groom you know like the owners have traveled to us we don't know what's happened to the dog on their walk before they've got to us if they've been on a walk um yeah. sort of post today about you know please take your dog for a walk before it arrives um you know so- well, the, well, the owner's stress is starting to be transmitted through into the dog because they're exactly. going to the groomers or they're Yeah, exactly. So I had a couple when I really started to apply canine flow to grooming. I had a couple, bear in mind I'm in Warwick. I had a couple travel up from London with a rescue dog. And they'd been told that the dog had been injured at the groomers and had basically half its throat skin cut off with the clippers. I don't know. Um, and the dog was terrified of water. So they came and they were stressed from their journey. They arrived half an hour late. So that, that's great, isn't it? And then on top of that, um, we've got anxiety about how the dog's going to react because it's had a bad experience reportedly in the past. So they they rock up and they were my last appointment of the day. So I, I thought, well, you have travelled for like well over an hour. Yeah, okay, come on in. And the dog wouldn't come near me. It was proper aloof. Um, so I just ignored it and let it potter around. But they were getting really stressed because, of course, they wanted their dog to come and say hello. Mm. Um, and so I used bit of aromatherapy stuff and eventually she came to me and I started the groom and I tested her with the clippers and she was absolutely fine with clippers there was there was no reaction to clippers so if she had had that injury it hadn't caused a long-term association with clippers um so we did a dry clip because she was um, allegedly terrified of water. Um, and that dry clip with all the messing about took two hours. The owners kept wanting the dog to have toilet breaks and to drink lots of water. Um, and it just, for me, in the back of my mind, there were, there were two things going off. It's like, this isn't fair on the dog. It's taking way too long. Mm-hmm. Plus time is money. Um, and that that then causes you as a groomer um, anxiety and I'm a bit I was like you know my cutoff point for someone coming late is 20 minutes and so everything with me and then their anxiety as well anyway I managed to get this dog sorted dry clip two hours later um, and they wanted to book again so okay we book again 
dog arrives, comes in quicker, um, but they're still half an hour late. And um, so that was making my blood boil below the surface. Um, they were the last appointment of the day. So again, I let them in. Um, same thing again, though, two hours for a dry clip because they wanted her to have lots of comfort breaks. Whereas I was just like, it's a dry clip. Whack it off. Should take half an hour. Um, and we had a couple more appointments like this. But the, meanwhile, the dog's starting to get wriggly on the table. And it's a strong, muscular dog, not particularly big, but its central gravity is low. And it was jumping onto me. So trying to express its energy with its paws up on my chest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the owners are like, oh, she's hugging you. That's so <laughs> lovely. I, I, in my head, I'm going, no, this is avoidance. She doesn't want this to happen. Um, and I'm basically, I'm, I'm better at being a people pleaser or not being a people pleaser than I was. But I was in a situation where, I was stuck with these lovely people and this lovely dog, but they were driving me bananas and we had to find another way because I was getting to the point where I wasn't strong enough to groom the dog and support it because it was trying to avoid the groom because the little dog, bless her, had so much pressure on her because she'd got two owners watching her every move. Mm -hmm. I got pressure on the dog because I'm like, come on, we just need to get this done. I had to think of another way. So I tentatively said to them via text because I was so brave. <laughs> um, when you come next time, how about we meditate before we start grooming? Because I'm thinking that's going to take out all the stress of that journey. And hopefully the dog will settle and they'll be more calm and we can crack on because part of canine flow is doing quite a bit of meditation. And they were up for it. I was like, oh, OK. So um, we did a meditation and when we meditate, it changes the signals out as humans, our electromagnetic field. Um, so from our hearts, our hearts are basically electrical, because if they weren't electrical, you wouldn't have a pacemaker. Yep. But with electricity, you also have magnetism. So when we're stressed, our electromagnetic output is different from when we're calm. And dogs have the largest heart mass per body mass of any other living creature so yeah okay an elephant's got a bigger heart but when you go per volume a chihuahua's heart is bigger um, and when you've got electromagnets they feed off each other so a dog picks up on our electromagnetic heart energy um, far more greatly than any other animal and we send more signals from our hearts to our brains than from our brains to our hearts. So basically, if we can relax, we change our heart's energy and that electromagnetic output and we become more calm and more signals can go from our heart to our head. And it's like a self-fulfilling thing. We become more and more calm. Dog completely freaked out with this, though. It's like, whoa. Oh. My, my, my humans have never been this calm. What the hell's up with them? So um, she starts expressing her energy by howling and digging at her owner's legs. And I'm like, just ignore the dog. We'll carry on with the meditation. Anyway, eventually, um, so meditating with a dog isn't necessarily straightforward. The owners needed a lot of support. We did three sessions with each groom of meditation. So one, one when they arrived, we did meditation. I had a chat with them. We got some aromatherapy oils out. Dog got groomed. They're still arriving late, by the way. Yeah. So I've booked them in for a two-hour appointment. Like a red flag customer. Yeah. Um, but it's great because I'd be like cleaning my house, going, well, they're only ever going to be on the end of the day. My husband's like, Oh, haven't you got a dog booked? What are you doing? And I'm like, 
oh yeah yeah they're paying for this so charging for two hours they arrive off now or sometimes three quarters of an hour late sit have a chat let the aromatherapy oils work do a meditation groom the dog half hour groom for the dog happy days now what they hadn't said to me was that every time the dog had been groomed it was getting colitis so it was genuinely stressed Mm. as soon as we added in that meditation and i trained the owners what to do once that worked the colitis stopped so we were down to half hour grooms and the colitis had stopped um so yes okay you sit and you might meditate for 20 minutes but actually in the end it saved me a huge amount of time and with the lateness that was dealing with my energy and it's just like but you're at the end of the day you're paying for your two hour slot doesn't matter what time you rock up um yeah and it it really really worked so now we've got like multi-levels haven't we we've got the sort of aromatherapy the the um meditation and then um i think from talking to you before it is a lot about how you sort of touch touching the animal as well and hands on the animal yeah so we've got energy centers within our bodies um and dogs are really receptive to a hand on their heart chakra so that's literally the front of their chest and if you push into that gently they will push back and that is them giving you energy so that works really well and it will help a dog calm itself Um, they also like to drop their heads so if they're dropping their heads there's a thing called emotional flow through the spine that allows their emotional energy to flow better So if you've got a dog that's trying to drop its head, it's actually allowing its nerves to fire better um, so it will become more relaxed. So it's very important when we're grooming that we've got, if we're using restraints, and I, I prefer a happy strap for this reason, that they can drop their head. It's also important that they can move around on the table a bit. So, um, I mean, I do, I will use a belly strap on occasion, but I always have it very loose and I'll only use it for a couple of minutes because it's important for the dog to be able to shift position. So then um, this comes down to how we set our salon up as well. You really ideally and it is ideally need to get round all sides of your table. So rather than you moving the dog, you are moving. So that then means that the dog, if the dog wants to focus its energy out through the window, it can do that. Its energy will flow that way, which then means the energy that you're putting in with your equipment and your your own like state of stress or calm and relaxation isn't overloading the dog. Um, The other thing that is highly powerful, and I've just taught a masterclass on this, is canine flow spiral massage technique. Um, And essentially, um, the massage is very easy to learn, um, but as you spiral and do the massage, it takes away tension and relaxation. So if you've got a dog that's really sensitive on the feet, you can do this little technique on its feet and it will tolerate you then touching its feet for a bit. It's not a miracle. It's not like, you know, if you've got a really touch sensitive dog, it's not going to cure it, but it will help massively. Um, I've taken on a few new clients recently and their dogs have turned up and they've been like, what the hell is going off? Um, bit of whale eye going off. They're sort of fixed on the floor going, oh, what's she going to do? And I've just approached them from the side and made contact with their heart chakra and done some spirals. And within a few minutes, they know that you mean no harm and, and they are really relaxing. Um, so yeah, that, that's a, another thing that we do. And then it's the obvious things, isn't there? I mean, you've got like, um, an energy center in your, the top of your head and your, your third eye, 
it kind of common sense don't come at a dog over its face so that it's another thing but it is backed up when we go well you know most dogs don't like having great big hands coming over their heads but there's the science of energy centers chakras behind it so it's a real sort of as we've been talking a lot about holistic grooming it's a real sort of holistic approach to to pet grooming and the fact that you're doing you're not just looking at how you're treating the dog and and but it's like the very basics of how you're setting your your salon up or your grooming room up to start with yeah um smells and i think i've discussed this before with people like um maybe if you have a radio on in the background and it's playing like heavy I don't know, um, I don't know, Kiss FM or, or something like that, and you've got heavy dance music or or a, a rock station going on, and and suddenly the dog on the table is kind of like kicking off a little bit. Maybe that's all kind of connected, isn't it? It is. Um, I mean, it's interesting because um, research shows that dogs are better with just spoken voice. So you know, if you've got like the radio on and you're playing a play or, or hey, a podcast. Hey. Um, they respond really, really well to spoken voice. I do quite a bit of hand stripping. When I'm hand stripping, I will usually have something educational in the background, which is usually some form of podcast. Um, but when I'm grooming, if I'm clipping and scissoring, I don't have any sound on at all because you've got when you start adding the sound energy that's going in that certainly this time of the year you've got your dehumidifier on you may well have a fan on in the summer or your air conditioning unit you've got your dryers you've got your blasters you've got your clippers even your scissors make a noise and brushes do as well so you've got all of those sound inputs going in and I've played with all sorts of music over the years to see what works best for dogs so when i started i was playing mozart because um i as a teacher you know freshly out of teaching we used to play the kids mozart because it had been scientifically proved that they'll learn quicker if you play yeah. the mozart so i thought right i need to learn quick play mozart and the dogs were fine with the classical music i've played with like nature sounds crashing waves and for me, silence works best. If I'm hand stripping, I love hand stripping, but it does get a bit boring and monotonous to say spoken voice. But then there's other research that says they respond well to classical music. Apparently, they really like reggae. That works okay. really well. So you can have a bit of, if you can't stand classical, your dogs are going to like a bit of reggae playing. Uh, but when we look at it, from like our energy and the sounds um there's two things to take into account if we are playing soothing calming music that calms us that's going to do the dog good because we're not giving out as much stress you know that electromagnetic stress from our hearts if though you go you know what i'm going to cheat i'm going to have my my like you know banging beats on but i'll have them through headphones yeah that's not going to work because a your dog can probably still hear it even if you got it turned down but they're going to feel it from your heart mm. so yeah banging beats heavy metal i'm sorry you've got to forget it your techno tuesdays no i i, I was thinking you know I, you know we all we live these busy lives and there's a lot of like energy drinks out there as well. And I wonder if there's like studies that might show using like high caffeine energy drinks and things like that, whether that also affects that relationship between the groomer and the, the pet on the table. Well, in theory, yeah, it will do. I'm not aware of any research, but if, um, you know, thinking about it sensibly, we, we've got medical detection dogs, we've got drug detection dogs, um, and if we're changing our hormones through using like a stimulant drink, because caffeine does affect your hormones, then that's going to affect the scent that you're giving off and the dog's going to pick up on it. Plus, you're increasing your heart rate. So you, you are inducing more stress on your body. 
Um, and one of the things I've just recently learned, which is amazing, is to give yourself an energy boost. And I'm not going to do it now and I'll explain why. But if you tap on your collarbones, only your collarbones, because that area all around there is very sensitive. But if you tap on your collarbones 20 times, it does give you an energy boost. So if you're feeling a bit of a slump, I, I have a three o'clock slump in the afternoon. Yeah. And it's not, I, I eat really healthily, which is part of all of this, because it is it's completely holistic approach from like what I do as a human and what I do with my dogs. But I've, I, it's like three o'clock, especially this time of the year, you know, it's like the light's getting a bit lower, the dryers have been on, it's all warm and cosy in there, and I hit a three o'clock slump. But I've done this tapping on my collarbones, and it took a few goes to get my body used to it. But it's like, I don't need an energy drink. I don't need anything. Just tap 20 times on your collarbone. But the reason I'm not doing it now is it's really important that you don't do it um, four hours before you go to bed or like after four hours when you're planning to go to bed because it will keep you awake. Um, but yeah, that that tapping is just, yeah, it's incredible. It's interesting. Yeah, so yeah. Do you um do you use the, the the canine flow with every single dog or just elements or just the specialist or the ones that are struggling with um going to the dog groomers or the pet groomers? I suppose I mean I'm sort of going, no, I don't use it with every dog, but I do mm. because of the way I've set my room up. And part yeah, of the energy, yeah, and it, it's like um part of the energy flow is how we use our equipment as well so if I've got a, I have quite a few terriers I suppose having Cairn terriers and trained at a terrier specialist and like terriers you get quite a few that'll try and bite the hose of the bath and it's not necessarily because you know they're anxious about the hose and the bath they want to play with it so I found um you know, for those dogs that are quite normal to groom, but they just like to play with the hose, put sock on the end of the hose. So I suppose, yeah, I use that with them. I always use a happy strap or I, you know, people aren't going to like this. Some dogs I do groom free on the table. But if you're going to do that, and this is another part of keeping connection with the dog, you always need a hand on the dog that you're grooming always um and it's it's suitable for some dogs not all um and you obviously have to be very careful with it but some dogs are better being loose but you keep that connection most dogs i'll use the happy strap on and you kind of go well that's allowing them to drop the head so i am using canine flow mm. with them um the clippers i use are really quiet i've got the um heiniger opals um, so that's another taking the energy out of the groom, looking at what equipment you're using. But then having said that, if you're using, you know, quiet clippers, they're not going to be quiet if your blades aren't set up and serviced. So, yeah, some dogs I use more like energy flow techniques on than others, but they, I guess they all get it. It's applying that. I suppose for me, it's applying. It's it's learning that knowledge, and then applying that knowledge to everything you do. So when it comes yeah. to um, buying new equipment, you buy that new equipment with that knowledge in mind. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to dealing with a new dog, you deal with that new dog with that knowledge in mind. So yeah, um, it's about experiencing it, learning about it, and then and then using that knowledge when you're when you're dealing with people. Yeah, I mean that. I very much so. And I, when people go, oh, are you a holistic groomer? I go, no, I'm not. I'm an individual groomer. Mm -hmm. So each dog is treated as an individual. And there are some dogs and it will just look like I'm grooming a dog and I'm not any different from somebody in a busy salon. You know, it's all about the individual and the individual on that day. Because we all have different energies and stuff going on. 
And it's about having, it's another, so I suppose if you if you think about it, you have like a, a bag of tools. It's another tool in that bag to help you problem solve as and when it and as and when it comes up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it is about having as many tools and techniques that you can and you find out new stuff all the time. Um, and I mean, that that's a nice thing. So I do training days um, and I do I've got one online coming up. Um, that's starting next Wednesday evening for the next following four weeks. And much as people are coming to me to learn about energy flow in the salon, I also learn from them. You know, you can't ever know everything. Mm. Um, and I do in person at Stonely as well. And the last one that I did, um, I've got one coming up beginning of February, but the last one I did was last summer. And we all swapped techniques and things that worked. And one of the things that I learned was there's an app on your phone that you can use to see colour from a dog's point of view. So I knew that white is, dogs don't like crossing over white lines. So if you've got a white step on the way into your salon, or you've got a lovely white holding pen like I have, they're always going to struggle going in and out because they don't like stepping over white lines. And when you use this app to see what dogs see and how they see colour, you go, whoa, well, no, I wouldn't want to step over that either. Um, so, well, you know, I didn't know about that. Perhaps one of the people on the course told me. And so we all learn. Yeah. Mm. And do you find you get um, referrals from um, other groomers where they're struggling to deal with uh, animals uh, a pet's behavior or they don't quite understand why uh, a pet's being so difficult or or yeah. uh, it's just not working out for them yeah so I think um I've got a reputation of and I'm not quite sure it's correct I have quite a few groomers try and pass off angry dogs to me okay and <laughs> Basically, if it's an angry dog, I always say, yeah, canine flow will work, but you need a behaviorist as well, because the mm -hmm. whole point of canine flow is you're not working with an angry dog. You're working with a calm dog and you're doing everything to get it to a state of calmness. Um, but I also have and this is pretty much how I set my business up doing extremely well the you know the anxious dogs the ones that lick and jump about and act the fool mm. send them to me um because they're they're so easily helped um so i get quite a few of those sent over to me because I, I love doing nervous anxious but gentle dogs or if um, they're not obviously if they're not near you come and do that do, do the canine flow course yeah. and learn how to do it so they can bring it into their own practice and, and absolutely and people that do the course with me you know you do the course it doesn't stop there I will still support them mm. um and I'll do that by text and by messenger um you know you don't you do the canine flow but you're going to be learning all the time and it's important that you have that that support system there just like we said at the beginning you know you shouldn't be on your own with this um and yeah so I do get quite a few messages of what can I do how, how can I and and that's great if you've trained with me you get that support and are we seeing more and more dogs that are, are coming through anxious and um you know are we seeing more more problems within the grooming salons would you say from over the years that you've been doing it you've got the lockdown puppies and and stuff like that um I've been really lucky actually I've not had the whole lockdown puppy experience because my books are full pretty much all the time um but what I did notice um and this has affected some of my clients as well obviously when we were locked up and then allowed out we we're all a little bit anxious and um we'd kind of you know we we're all looking around suspicious as to who who might you know make us ill 
Mm. Um, and what do we do when we go out? Because we've got all of those procedures in place. And nobody wanted to get it wrong. Um, so I, I noticed that dogs were quite more anxious coming to me after that um, when we were allowed to open. But I think the other sad thing is, and I, I, I do think it's lockdown related, is I've noticed quite a few of my clients splitting up. Um, when that happens, that does change the dog's behaviour. And you'll notice if you look at the dog's behaviour and their stress signals, or even down to like their coat and like, are they brushed as much? Are they sucking their feet? That kind of thing, because that's all part of the picture. Um, I've since then found out that, yeah, the the family is split up and it does have a huge effect on the dog. So you're always going to get changes in behaviour and, and anxiety. Yeah, the um, just one question I've got: Can it does it work on cats? Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, excellent! Your, your course is like, or the the word is like canine flow, but is it feline feline flow as well? It works on horses as well. So, um, cats <laughs> are um, their their heart mass isn't as big, and you know, I mean, cats are, I think, well. Cats are probably true spiritual beings and um, a force of nature in themselves, but they do respond to spiral massage. Um, and it is that whole thing of, you know, less energy in, you're going to get a more balanced cat. I mean, I know cats do a lot of displacement behaviour if they're not happy and go and duff up their other cats in their house and that kind of thing. Um, so if you look at the energy in your environment it, it will support the cat um i also do reiki and cats love reiki and they love the spiral massage that we do um, and i got somebody who did my spiral massage master class the other week and she did it on a horse and she said it was amazing so it's all transferable mm. But dogs are most receptive because of their heart energy. I see. Okay. Well, it's been, you know, it's fascinating. There's always, there's always lots of different things to learn when people come on to these um, and talks. And we sort of, like you said, we always learn something new every time. And looking at the comments, you know, it's sparking people's interest. Um, and there's people there have done it with done the course with you as well. So they're sort of singing your praises as well. How do um, people get in contact with you and how can they do some sort of further research around the canine flow and uh, work with you around it? Um, so we have a canine flow website. So um, if you put a search in you know, your, your chosen web browser, um, <laughs> you, you will find the official Canine Flow page. We've got um, a Canine Flow Facebook page as well, which has started to become a little bit more active. Um, you can friend me on Facebook um, and then you'll, you'll, if I'm coming up in your feed, you'll see what I'm up to. Um, so I always release stuff on Facebook first. And then there's my my website, toptails.co.uk. And that's got all my course details on it. Um, but yeah, that, I'm pretty easy to find. Excellent. Excellent. I was just uh, thinking, you know, we do all this for, for, for animals. I'm just starting to wonder whether you need to go back into the classrooms and do like... Uh, teenage flow uh that kind of thing because i think some of this can work on on kids as well can it definitely <laughs> well i was <laughs> i'd put something on facebook and one of my old colleagues um said yeah yeah come, come and do this with the kids but the um the whole heart thing is um based on research from the institute of heart math which is based in america and um they do a lot of work with kids. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can properly go down the whole heart math 
um route but yeah I, I reckon everyone should do this it's when it's when you said you know that the the dog that's um being silly kicking off or, <laughs> being nervous being the joker and I was like you know we've all sat in that classroom as yeah. kids with the joker that was actually really anxious and and didn't feel as though they fitted in and, and it's kind of using the, those same principles isn't it On- exactly yeah but trying to get a human joker to sit and meditate that could yeah. be interesting <laughs> yeah it would be it would be well, although you know, i'm up for it <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole new uh master for you isn't it yeah you- yeah take on the teaching world as well but that's been um really interesting i there was so much more to it than what i you know we had a little discussion a while ago about um canine flow and, it, and i was really interested in that the heart signals and the ele- you know the electric heart signals that but i didn't realize there were so many layers to it as well with the aromatherapy the setup the meditation and it's just it's something that you can use every day isn't it and like we said yeah something you can consider whenever you're buying new equipment um bringing in new animals into your into your practice and also looking at setting up your your uh, groom room so thank you for coming on and, and telling yeah. us all about it it's been an absolute pleasure i really enjoyed it is there a book is there a book in you all about it mm, well i'm dyslexic so that might be a bit of a challenge <laughs> despite you know having all these like academic accolades I am dyslexic so a book might be a challenge but it has been suggested to me so I'm you know I'm not going to say no yeah never say no never say no. never always learning well thank you very much Vanessa and um take care and we'll put all of your um details in the comments afterwards I'll tag you in the Brilliant. in the Facebook post so you can find it fabulous thank you thank you take care I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Please make sure you give us a like or a review to help people find it. The podcast is sponsored by Lowpay. Head over to www.lowpay.com to find out more about their payment solution.